Let's go to the Skype Maker Hotline, the author of What Men Really Want to Say But Can't, a journalist for too many decades uh, for me to mention because I don't want to give her... Uh, uh, we don't want to talk about how many decades. Decades. A, um, an author, a columnist, a blogger, a wife, a mom, a Christian, and apparently a radical nutbag when it comes to writing and working with her in a newsroom. Now, I say that in air finger quotation marks because this is what apparently happens to you if you step outside of what is now the, quote, conservative media guideline box. So you know her as D.C. McAllister or Denise McAllister, so I'm just going to call her Denise today. And uh, welcome her back to the Mike Church Show here on the Crusade Channel. Denise, how are you, my dear? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's always great to be here. Always great to have you there. Uh, I don't want to embarrass you, but you've been at this for a while. And if just as much as, where did you start writing professionally? Right out of college. I got a journalism degree at University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and I became a reporter right out of college. So, so I've been right. Uh, almost so that was I graduated in 1988. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that kind of gives us a time. I'm 54. <laughs> now you you just heard me uh, uh, belly aching about the analog uh, being crammed into the digital peg. You started when we didn't have Google. You actually had to go to libraries and use microfiche and stuff if you wanted to be a good reporter for the uh, for the uh, the Raleigh Journal Sentinel or wherever it is that you started at, right? Well, when I was in journalism school, I was there when they first introduced the Macintosh computers into the newsroom. And so that was really exciting that we didn't have to write on typewriters anymore or in the working in production for television because I had a, a minor in, in production for television. And, you know, it's just so nice not have to work on the vid stuff and you could actually work on a computer. So, yeah, it goes way back and as far as Googling, you know, and having the Internet yeah, I had to do all that work as a journalist in the 90s before I had access and actually had to do it old school. And that was kind of nice because it was slow. Mm. You actually had to take time to think, get your information, process. Uh, everything's so rushed today and immediate uh, in drive-by. So we don't really, you know, that contributes to the lack of critical thinking and good information out there. Completely. Uh, now, what was the, the now, now the, we did have access to a, a search engine, if you will, in the er, er, mid-90s or so. And I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, uh, it's still around because I looked it up and I went, that thing is still there, but no one uses it. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. I mean, we had the, the AP feed and all of that that came into our newsrooms, but I don't remember anything electronic as far as a huge database for information you besides know, microfish library stuff. Yeah, there was a, um, you know, it wasn't all to web. I'll think of it in, 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 in a moment here. But in any event, the point being, and you said this, okay, the key word that you just said was it, it was slow. You had to take your time. And then you might even had to go back to your degree at uh, University of North Carolina, and you might have had to go back to your your schooling and go like, okay, well, that's not a primary source. That's a secondary, and that one's an even worse one. That's a secondary that's hearsay. Now today, they just go like, oh, an anonymous source said. 
Oh, sure. I mean, it was it, when back in the day, you pretty much started with your primary sources because you didn't have access to all these secondary sources. So, uh, I mean, they were there, but I mean, you always went back to the primaries. I mean, now to try to find a primary source on something is difficult. You have to wade through the the trash can of <laughs> secondary stuff and dumpster dive to find anything. It's, just, it's exhausting. So the, the system that I was thinking of, then he says Lexus Nexus. Okay. I don't think I used that. Not very many people did because it, it, you know what it was connected? This is a funny thing. It was actually connected to libraries. Yeah. Card catalogs. It was connected to libraries and card catalog files that had been digitized. Um, so there wasn't an awful lot there. But boy, boy, howdy, have they screwed, have we screwed that up. Let, let's fast forward to the, to the present. I want to uh, just start with what you and I are going to talk about with, I met you when you were writing for The Federalist. And uh, about two years in, uh, let's see, I met David Harsani in uh, 2015. I made a bet with him. With him, Harsani, you still owe me a steak dinner. I bet him in April uh, 2016. I said, Trump's going to get the nomination. Trump will beat Hillary. And he went, no way. He goes, he might get the nomination, but there's no way he's going to beat Hillary. So Harsani still owes me. Um, but David was somehow... Uh, ushered out of the Federalist. I don't know if it was at the same time that you were. My, my question is, and this is purely just for my own personal informational purposes, has there been a change in ownership of the Federalist in the last five years, or is it still Sean Davis and whoever else started it? The um, David Hurst, anything has been more recent. His exiting happened after me. But okay. uh, no, the, the ownership is still um, Ben Dominich. And Sean Davis, mainly Ben Dominich. So those two are still the publishers of The Federalist. But things really changed when Ben Dominich married Megan McCain. So I'd really say that Cindy McCain is probably the publisher of The Federalist. Ah. I'll say that tongue in cheek, but, you know, devil in the details. <laughs> okay. Well, no. And I, and I think it shows in some of what they're doing now. They still have some, some, some great reporting going on there. And I'm sorry that you're not. Commentary. I don't know about reporting, but okay. <laughs> okay. So, well, look, hey, let, let's separate that. Cause that's one of the bullet points I asked you about. Right. Mm -hmm. well, so well, let's separate that. Let's talk about that. Well, let, 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 let's, let's go back to the Ben Dominich and, um, and, and Megan McCain thing here. And, uh, maybe that there was a change there that the, um, uh, the, the, you present something as a report. You are reporting the news. Then you have the commentary or the commentary part, which is, okay, we got the news, and now we're going to have a commentary on that. Back when you and I were coming up, and I'm about your age, and I got into this almost the same time that you got out of college. Uh, back when you and I were coming up, we read our local newspaper, and uh, you would have a section in the newspaper that would be called the editorial page. The editors of the newspaper would get together and they'd write an editorial, kind of like what the Wall Street Journal still does and the Washington Compost attempts to do. They would write an editorial every day. They would have syndicated columnists like George Will and, oh gosh, who was that that, that lunatic, that woman, uh, Anna Quinlan, uh, that wrote for the New, New York Times. Um, and they'd have good ones. I mean, think of some of the old school guys that you and I grew up with um, or, or came up with. We could read and be, we could rely on Evans and Novak. Robert Novak printed it, babe. It was true. Right? If, right. if Novak wrote something, it was true. Um, but then you would have your pure commentary. Like Joe Sobrin would have been a commentary guy, an analyst guy. 
not a news guy. Um, have we completely, in both conservative and, and I use this in air finger quotation marks, and liberal, and liberal media, have we completely just obliterated that line? Uh, yes, to a degree. I, I think there's actually three categories that we need to look at when we're looking at news. There's just hard reporting. And that's out there. I mean, that's there even at the New York Times, Washington Post, uh, you know, and a lot of these places that are your newspapers (laughs) that are still there. Then you have uh, what's called collated or aggregated reporting. And that's not primary source reporting. That's that's people who are sitting at their computer and then they're going and pulling everyone's reports on something and compiling them into one report. Uh, And then you have commentary. So at a place like National National Review, you have you know the Federalist, Daily Wire, all that stuff. You don't have reporting rarely. I mean, I, they try once in a while. They'll have someone on site doing something, but that's not what their purpose is, and that's not what most of their stuff. They might have maybe collated stuff, you know, the, the aggregated news stuff that's all put into put together, mashed together from a lot of different sources. Um, but then you have commentary. So uh, if you're going to try to get this, may be a point of confusion for people searching out facts is that they're going to commentary sites instead of the Mm. source. It's kind of like going, instead of reading the Bible directly, you're going and reading the Bible commentaries. You know, they're helpful and they're good, but they're secondary. So uh, so three sources, uh, but the line has been blurred where most people can't tell the difference. Uh, Are most people even looking for a difference? (laughs) <laughs> you know, I think most people are looking for their own opinion being reflected back at them. And, you know, that's fine if you're trying to build a coalition or something or you're trying to, you know, have some kind of encouragement about your own view. But uh, or you're trying to just get someone's wisdom and insight. I mean, I'm, I'm a cultural commentator for a reason. I'm trying to help people work through and see and interpret the news and understand the news. So you either trust my worldview and my perspective or you don't. But um, I'm not doing hardcore reporting and telling you facts on the ground. I'm, I'm looking at facts on the ground and then giving you my commentary on it and, and my interpretation of it and my explanation of it. And all of that's very valuable. I think it's great, you know, to be able to have, you know, wise people be able to do that. And that's really the problem, though, is that within our conservative commentary sphere, you do not have wise people with a sound, solid, cohesive worldview giving you commentary and insight. You have agendas, you have propaganda, you have libertarianism, you have um, non-Christian worldview posing as Christian worldview, you have uh, libertinism posing as conservatism. So it, it all gets very mixed. And I would say it's very rare to find an actually true conservative with a cohesive worldview that understands objective truth and is bringing that wise commentary to the events of the day within conservative media. So, you know, that's the exact word, too, Denise. Wise wisdom, sapientia. Uh, what's what's the Hebrew word? Um, um, uh, Sophia. Uh, wisdom. Now, let me ask you, let, let me ask a follow-up question. Does it do someone... Or, or let me rephrase that. Should it be a requisite? Like you have your requisites even in some sports. Like if you're going to do ice skating, you got to do your recs, right? You got to do a figure eight. You got to show that you can actually accurately skate in a circle and things like that. You do your requisites. Should it be a requisite? And it sounds to me like you went through it. I know I went through it. Uh, and people our age and then uh, older than us went through it. I don't think after us, though, that, uh, that they did. 
Shouldn't it be a requisite that you kind of start at the bottom and you start in the news gathering part of it? And you kind of learn the, well, this is how we get the news in here that you can make commentary on. What do you think? No, I think there's different types of commentators. I don't think you have to be a journalist to be a good, wise commentator. You could be a historian or a theologian um, and be an excellent commentator. You could be a, a really well-rounded understanding of uh, different philosophies, economic person. You know, Thomas Sowell's an economist, so and he's a great commentary uh, you know, commentator. So I, I, it really depends on your ability to communicate truth and your ability to communicate your thoughts on the page and the worldview that you're bringing to that commentary about issues of the day and current events. And, uh, you know, sometimes actually journalists are not very good at that. They're, they're often the worst, to be honest. The news, the pure news reporters are not good commentators. No, no, they're not. Because they're simply gathering facts and that's what they're, they're, they're um, machines and that's what they should be. So uh, the, the commentators are the ones who really need to be able to think through things. They're the thinkers, they're the the philosophers, they're the theologians. They're the ones who can think through the issues and understand the psychologists and the sociologists who understand all that together and then can bring commentary. And, and that's what my concern is today is that we have commentators who are who have agendas to make money, to become famous. Ah. Uh, they repeat stuff all the time that, that the mob on the right likes to hear. Instead of standing for a real cohesive worldview. Uh, you know something I read, I uh, read a quote that I just recently got from the Congress in 1854. And that quote, it was in the context of just making statements about what the Congress's direction is. And the quote was, the great, vital, and conservative element in our system is the belief of our people in the pure doctrines and the divine truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Huh. It, that was Congress in 1854. And if you go back in that time and read newspapers at that time, you go back through the annals of even the New York Times when you pull out that microfiche and you're looking at hard copies, you will, and I have, you will be stunned at the overt Christian worldview on every page. Yes. No, I, not surprised. I didn't mean to say, huh, as in, yeah, sure. I meant to say, huh, as <laughs> no, in, no. <laughs> tr true that. No, absolutely true. Denise McAllister, uh, author and a journeyman media person or, or media contributor in uh, many different forms uh, on our Dude Maker Skype line with us. Let me go back to something you just said, and I want to get a little personal here. Uh, as I, uh, uh, you probably weren't listening before, moments before you came on, but I said, uh, I said when I was prepping for today's interview, something that uh, all you want to be a radio and TV person, I always, always ought to do, know your subject, know it well. As a matter of fact, know your subject better than the subject knows itself. Uh, try to try to meet that bar. I kept running across using, now, I didn't use Google. I don't use Google anymore. I won't. That's why I asked you if I could get your book outside of Amazon, because I won't send anyone to Amazon. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but I was using DuckDuckGo, and I typed in Demise McAllister controversy. You know what the top four results were? Homophobe. Homophobe. Yes! Homophobe. Yes! I'm going like, she's the, least, she's the I'm least. She's the least. Well, she's the least homophobic. Well, I don't know that personally, but my dealings with this, she's not a homophobe. But this was all coming from the Federalists. And I'm going like, okay, I must have missed this. What did I miss? What happened? Really? You missed it? I did. Oh, I missed I, I didn't miss you. I did not miss that you left. 
But I don't do Twitter gossip. I, I, don't, I, I only use Twitter to get news bites these days. So I, I knew that you, that you had a falling out or whatever happened. Um, but I missed this. And I got homophobe, 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 homophobe. Uh, and, of course, there was a pile on. All of your enemies went, yeah, see, we told you. So what happened? Well, it wasn't just gossip on the internet. It was it was news. I, I was in the New York Times, like across the globe, UK Daily Mail, all about this. Uh, no, I was actually let go from the federal. So I didn't quit or leave or have a falling out. I um, got into an argument on Twitter with a liberal journalist called Yashar Ali. And in the midst of that discussion argument, well, it came out of a tweet that I had made about my husband because I joke because I'm an anti-feminist. So I joke a lot about my husband telling me what to do <laughs> just to irritate the feminist. Yeah. <laughs> so I had I had done a tweet about my husband and interrupting him during a basketball game and him telling me, woman, be quiet, <laughs> which is kind of a joke. <laughs> well, anyway, I got deluged by the Hollywood gay crowd and by the feminist, which is a weird alliance, but it's out there. I got deluged for days um, uh, with accusations that my husband was abusing me oh, and that uh, I actually had emails and calls and threats that the police were going to be called against my husband and social services because I was being abused as an abused wife. And so they were sending me false sympathy like, oh, Denise, or please, Denise, get out of your marriage. You're being abused. This was going on for days <clears throat> coming from the uh, you know the gay Hollywood crowd and the feminist, the gay Hollywood crowd got going because Megan Megan McCain and I had had an earlier in the week a kind of tiff, so it came out of that because she has a big gay cabal in Hollywood. Yes, she does. At any rate, this is a lot of information. But anyway, so I got angry with this guy. He was mocking my marriage, mocking my heterosexuality, and I came back and basically in a tweet said that you're not living as a as a human being, as a human male individual. You're not living according to your purpose and design as God designed it. Instead, you're trying to find meaning in gay sex. And I put gay sex pretty crassly, but that's not why I was, people got angry at me. They got So I got deluged because I had criticized homosexuality and said it was basically illegitimate. And I immediately was fired by Ben Shapiro from the Daily Wire. He direct messaged me and said, sever all contact and all alliance with Daily Wire because of what you tweeted in response to Yashar Ali. Um, and Shapiro completely ignored the, the whole context that the man had been attacking my heterosexual marriage mm. and leading a whole mob against my husband and falsely accusing him of a crime. So that was very difficult. So Ben Shapiro fired me. And then right after that, um, the Federalist let me go. So, and then after that, PJ Media let me go. And and for two and that was two years ago. And for two years, I have not been hired by any conservative outlet. Fox News banned me, and um, no conservative leaders will speak to me. Well, welcome to my world. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure you didn't want to. No money in two years. <laughs> well, I'm sure you didn't want to be in it. Um, and, and it sounds like you didn't that. Want to be in what? The... You didn't want to be in my world. <laughs> I do it as a as a as a red badge of courage and honor. I'm like, I don't need you. Uh, bye, but uh, uh, that's not for everyone. I'm intrigued. Well, I need a job. I mean, you know, oh, no, was, no. I, I lost my, I got fired from my jobs. But the interesting thing was that this was from the right. So the right, because right. I had offended a sacred cow on the left by criticizing a, um, a homosexual and in a very harsh way about how that his lifestyle and his choices are not legitimate. 
uh, then I was let go. That was not allowed within conservative media, conservative media that is supposed to be based on, you know, a fundamental conservative worldview that's rooted in the Judeo-Christian ethic. So, uh, yeah, there was an abandonment there about sexual identity, and I could not speak freely on that point. So uh, just to kind of uh, bring that point forward, that that is probably still going on today, uh, CPAC was last week, and or two two weekends ago, uh, coming up on two weekends now, and uh, one of the uh, more outspoken women uh, today, who is a Catholic, uh, her name is Abby Johnson, and Abby Johnson uh, has gone down kind of the road that you're going down, and uh, in her... Uh, her awakening, if you will, she's become very, she was very much kind of get along to go along. Oh, what is it, her? You know, the, they want to be this and he's uh, he's gay and he's that. Um, uh, but, you know, she was a, uh, uh, gosh, an idol, I-D-O-L, of uh, the pro-life movement for, for what the, the life that she had led and what she had done, right? Well, Abby started going to a very traditional form of the Catholic rite, the Latin Mass, about uh, about nine months or so ago. And the, when the transformation began, you know what? Abby's out there going like, explain to me exactly what is conservative about this CPAC thing, because I don't see it. You know who pounced on Abby? It wasn't anyone at the New York Times or the or Vox or any of these other uh, left wing progress. <laughs> think progress. Any of these other libtard commie rags. It was Shapiro and company. Yep. They're the ones that descended on, how dare you? This is the greatest gathering of conservative minds ever. Why? Because Ben gets invited? Why? <laughs> Shapiro's not a conservative. He's what? a libertarian. Thank you. Okay, now, this is a big, big uh, point of uh, contention here. There are two things that I heard you say that I want to talk about uh, in the time we have left, uh, and then... I want to continue this dialogue with you because this is this is important. It's important to me personally. It's important to this radio station, this radio channel, and you hit on it. So uh, one is the Shapiro thing, and the other one is something that you said, and I'm sure you've repeated it. So let's talk about this. <clears throat> and I'm going to give you the example, okay? I'm going to give you the actual example. I'm not going to ter- talk in abstract terms, and I'm going to say this pisses me off. And it raises my hackles on the back of my neck, and I go, "That's wrong. That is un. That is in. That that is ethically incorrect." Okay, here we go. An item at the Federalist four days ago, which looked like a news item, mm-hmm. and the the topic of the news release, and this was from the greatest news in the history of Christianity. Was that little Ben, oh, I have a coupon code for you. Get my 15-minute podcast of everything that's wrong with the left. And if you get my 15-minute podcast, 25% off a brand-new subscription to the Daily uh, to the Daily Wire. This was presented as a news item. What followed was a 1,000 words of infomercial. This was a str- – I'm reading this going like this ought to have a disclaimer at the top of it. This is sponsored content. But it – didn't and it pissed me off and i went do you know how much i would have to pay whoever is the publisher the federalist to get that kind of ink for my equally but superior radio and broadcasting product they wouldn't even take my money this is to me this tells you everything you need to know it's certain entities there are certain golden calves 
It cannot be sacrificed, but are elevated to calf-like idol standards. And apparently, anything that Shapiro does and touches is one of them. And I go like, this guy's not even a conservative. This guy was on with the Bishop Barron, and Bishop Barron let him get away with it. He denied the existence and the divinity of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you people are throwing money at him? Now, he called for fraud, and he deserved to get um, get uh, crucified, that he should have been crucified because he was a fraud. That's what Ben Shapiro said about our Lord. Okay. Now, <laughs> now I, have a, I have a personal thing here because I'm in charge of and am responsible for the livelihoods or some part of the livelihoods of 13 people. That's a, that's a little cross I bear with joy, or try to, every single day. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things I can do for them is get us more listeners and viewers, and then I can maybe make their uh, economic lot in life just a little bit better, right? I can't do it if I'm up against that. The deck is stacked against me. There's no entry point of which I am ever going to broach because of this golden calf. Now, to me, you can say, well, that's their magazine. They can do what you want. Yeah, they, yeah it sure, sure is. You ought to have an editorial statement about it then. You ought to at least not present it as some sort of a news item. Now, to me, the, and I see this in Catholic circles all the time, you cannot profit off of the misery and off of, uh, of, of, of the blasphemies and apostasies of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, and that's what it is. You're profiting off of that. You almost revel in it. To me, there are so many ethical breaches in what I call broadcasting or media today. I don't know where to start, uh, and I could probably write a book about this, but the one, the, the Federalist one there, that is direct, that it happened, it happened this week, it's still up. You were know, read it today. I started to write a letter and going like, well, who do I write to? Dominich, Davis, I've written to them before. They don't even acknowledge my existence. Why waste yeah. my time? Now, am I wrong? Is this ethical or is there something else going on? Is this an ethical breach or maybe I'm wrong? What do you, or is this a, a breach of another sort? Or maybe this is, just, uh, 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 this is just a new good old boys country club Republican network. <laughs> Dang. So what you need to understand is that there's a, a uh, cabal within conservative media, and they're all connected. It's about money, who has money and who has influence. And you need to understand that Ben Dominich, who runs The Federalist, and Ben Shapiro are, are friends. I don't know if they're really close friends, but they're friends. I think even Ben Dominich ghostwrote one of Ben Shapiro's books. But they're very connected. Megan McCain and Ben Shapiro are buddies. This is all one big behind-the-scenes relationship. So you, once you're within the the circle of trust among those who want to make the money, uh, you're brought in and then they they feed each other and they promote each other. Anyone outside that, they don't. So they put personality and relationship and connections and con you know those kind of constructs that that will advance their own careers first before principles. That's just the way, a lot of media works. It even is that way within Christian media. It's it's that way in secular media. It's about those relationships behind the scenes that can promote each individual within the group uh, to, to, for more money and more fame. So the connection between the Daily Wire and the Federalists is very close. I um, mean, I saw that because I got fired 
when I got fired from the Daily Wire, I was I was fired from the Federalist. So mm-hmm. let go from the Federalist. They didn't actually fire me. They pressured me out. And then long story, but they kicked me out. So it, it was just um, it's very incestuous behind the scenes as far as ethical about what they run. I mean, it is it is their you know, the, the Federalist has been Dominic's magazine. He can run what he wants to there. So, you know, it's not unethical, but it is a breach of trust with readers. If uh-huh. you present if you present yourself as a conservative website or a libertarian conservative, which Ben Dominic is, is libertarian. He is not conservative. Same way with Ben Shapiro, um, even though Ben Shapiro claims to be more conservative than libertarian. So. This is their their agenda is not focused on the Christian worldview at the foundation. It's about liberty alone. So liberty and self-interest are the primary concerns for both the Daily Wire and the Federalist and not principles that we're rallying around in the culture war to fight the left. So it's a very mixed bag there. Okay, so. Uh, I knew uh, some of what you just said about Dominich because about a month or so ago, he had an editorial and or, or a piece, essay, whatever you want to call it, at the uh, Federalist. And I'm reading it. And twice in the piece, he used it. He, 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 he didn't bleep it out. He used the F word. He, used, he, he drops F bombs in his own piece. And I'm going, like, really, dude? You're the editor. You can't do that. At least He's a libertarian. He will. He'll do that. Just like the folks at Reason, they t- they talk that way in their editorials. Right. Just have They're a little, libertarian. Well, give me a little, a little, uh, have a little respect for my uh, for my dignity. Uh, maybe I, maybe I want to read your magazine, but I want to read that. So I'm not surprised about that. But there is a very uh, uh, <clears throat> there is a very very uh, large chasm between libertarianism and conservatism. Anyone that doesn't get it or thinks that I'm full of it or D.C. is full of it or that you're just sour grapes or whatever, those people are really concerned. No, they're not. If you want to see the difference, we want to read about it. Uh, Denise, I'm uh, I'm sure you're familiar with it. Uh, Maybe you've read it. If not, go read it. Go read it because you'll get ample writing material from it. Go read Russell Kirk's 1958 essay, Chirping Mm -hmm. Sectaries. You read, mm-hmm. That's everything explained right there. Because someone called Russell Kirk a libertarian. And the great Dr. Kirk went, eh, eh, that dog don't hunt. I am not a libertarian. Now, this is in the 50s. This is in the, this is before Murray Rothbard was even uh, was even remotely famous. In the 50s, and Dr. Kirk went, nope, that is not me. I am not. And this is why. I am a conservative and why that guy's a libertarian and he made it crystal clear. There is a huge difference. And, um, you know, we, we all share the same Judeo-Christian. Uh, no, we don't. No. <laughs> no, we don't. And it's a concern. It was a concern of mine while I was at the Federalist and Daily Wire. So con- conflict behind the scenes was actually before I was even kicked out because I was up, you know, fighting for conservative values, especially around the areas of sexual identity and sexual design. And those issues, which are so paramount today, and we're seeing it grow and grow. And, And so I was fighting for that because I understood that if you don't have that 
biblical Judeo-Christian, I'm just going to say Christian worldview that is um, foundational to the conservative understanding of liberty within the United States, then you will lose that liberty. The problem with the libertarians is they put liberty out there without a cohesive worldview and moral foundation in which to sustain that liberty. So they're fighting a war for liberty, and you'll hear Ben Shapiro and the people at the Federalist talk about liberty a lot. And they may even talk about religious themes, you know, and but they don't really fa- put foundational understanding of how committed you must be to the moral absolutism that comes out of the gospel of Jesus Christ and out of the Bible as the foundation of our liberty that our founders understood. And they also don't realize that we are fighting a culture that doesn't care about liberty anymore. They don't Thank even you. care. They don't care. So so the constant refrain of don't you want to be free or let's be liberty falls on complete deaf ears with our society today. That's because our society has chosen equality of outcomes over liberty. It's what de Tocqueville warned about back in the early 19th century. He said the, the trajectory of America is that it must keep a balance between equality and liberty. But when equality of conditions outweighs liberty, you will lose your liberty. And and because equality of outcomes is a whole different thing. It's about, it's a Marxist struggle. It's devoid of a Christian worldview. It's about making subjectivism and, and people their God. So the libertarians do not have the tools or the weapons in which to battle our culture war. Only conservatives do. And conservatives need to step up and fight it. And that's why canceling of people who are conservative and who are fighting for those worldviews, no matter how offensive they may be to the world, are invaluable in this culture fight. Have you tried to contact the editors at First Things by any chance? No, um, I have not. One of the differences is because I'm not a Catholic writer. Um, yeah, I don't but, know. Yeah, but they 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 cross that line. They have Jewish they okay. conservatives. They have uh, evangelical conservatives, and they have Catholics. That's I have not di- reached out to them. That's the difference between first things and crisis. Crisis doesn't. First things does. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they and they publish. Actually, uh, you you'd love to be published in uh, in print again. I'm sure you would. They actually publish a magazine once a month. I get it. And I have people, why are you, why do you support First Things? Because I am not an absolutist. I don't want to preach to an echo chamber. I like talking to people that <laughs> that in my little mind go like, oh, okay, well, they don't agree with me. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, there's some truth or kernel of wisdom that they haven't heard that can win them over to my point of view. Or maybe I need, maybe I, maybe I learned something from them. These echo chamber conversations serve no purpose whatsoever. Look, we're going to run out of time. We're already out of time. I can speak to you from now until the end of the day, and we still wouldn't cover everything. Um, mm-hmm. One final thing here, and um, <clears throat> I want to have you back, and we want to continue this discussion. Uh, I'll give you a couple of weeks to recover from this and from uh, the, uh, the backlash. See, you don't have to worry about backlash from me because those guys don't admit that I exist, even though I predate them by two decades. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but it, it's okay. So you can do this show all you want, and they'll never even know. Something happened this week, though, along the same lines. You're a, a crusader against toxic femininity, I think. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty... Uh, Good description for you, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm a crusader against all things that are perverted sexually, including feminism. There you go. Um, something has happened, though. Little Ben uh, hired and made a big deal out of hiring Candace Owens. 
And I know Candace Owens from blowing my phone up and trying to get me sent her $25 back during uh, the, uh, the, the campaign and the early part of the campaign last spring. I didn't even really, I mean, I kind of knew who she was. I really didn't know who she was. But this is what's, what really sent me off going like, okay, what the hell is going on here? I'm watching this trailer that the Daily Wire made for this Candace Owens show. And I'm going like, is this a show that's supposed to, is this a conservative on Bravo? What is this? Is she a runway model? Is she is she a spokesman for L'Oreal? What conservative grift or or, or, or uh, uh, gift uh, of of opinion and genius, which is what the written form says, am I supposed to get? And I said, you know what? I'm going to ask uh, Denise about this because you and I can celebrate true femininity, which to me means being a mom and a good wife. And, uh, yeah, you can uh, uh, have that participation in uh, the, the professional world as well. But mom and wife, um, what was your take? Did you see the trailer that I'm talking about? No, but I can. I mean, I've seen the pictures. I can imagine there's a lot of glitz and glam that's put around our conservative celebrities now, especially those around the Daily Wire, because they have millions of dollars being poured into them by libertarian sources. So, uh, it, you know, that. It's about trying to appeal to the and be like and mirror this Hollywood concept. And Ben Shapiro, who Candace Owen is, is associated with, is very much about cozying up to Hollywood. Become he wants to become like Hollywood. Well, and, you can tell. No, yeah, he's very enamored with the Hollywood fame, and so he wants to emulate it and 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 pour his money into it. And he doesn't want to offend the Hollywood elite, not really. I mean, he will about some things that he knows that he can get away with, but well, things like criticizing homosexuality as an illegitimate sexuality, uh, you know, he will not do because it offends Hollywood. So, you know, the glitz and glam, the money that goes into the marketing, you know, is very much a mirror of what he wants to be in Hollywood. And Candace will definitely be glitz and glammed up in order to uh, appeal to that crowd. Yeah, but they're, they're not glitz and glamming in the promo. This is a woman's woman's conservative. Wait till you see how conservative she is on Friday nights, terrorizing liberals. Uh, yeah, she's, a, she's, not, she's more libertarian conservative. She's, again, I, I don't know. If they're not out, I'm going to be honest with you, and this may be too harsh, but if they are not ever bringing in the Christian worldview as the fundamental reason behind uh, why conservatism is is against the left, if they're not bringing that up and speaking about that boldly not in any of their footage— then they're not being a true conservative. I, I, I just, not in the culture war that we have today where the lines are so clearly being drawn and Christians are being scapegoat. This should concern every Christian, whether you're Catholic, Protestant, doesn't matter. You are being scapegoated in this society as the problem for every ill in our democracy. This is a dangerous, dangerous trend, and we need to rally around those people who see it and are willing to stand on the actual worldview, a biblical worldview, to fight it not with libertarians who who are going to ultimately end up siding with the left and canceling you when you say things they don't like. Love it. I love it. Hey, uh, uh, people do want to read you. I know you have a website. What's the site? Oh, I don't have a website. I only, I, I only, I'm, I have Twitter and then I'm commenting now at the American thinker. So you can find my stuff there. 
Yes, I saw you at the American thing. I told you, I saw your piece about Christy Noman. I went, hey, someone that agrees with me. All right, look, we're, we're out of time, really. Yeah, and, and Gatekeepers Online, I'm, I'm, I write religious stuff there. It's it's a blog. But um, the yeah, the American Thinker Online, I'll, I'll do more thought pieces. But I don't have a lot of places to write here, write because of my canceling. Uh, look, you can write for us anytime you want. Send me, <laughs> send me a private note, and we'll, we'll, we'll negotiate some terms. And I would love to publish you, seriously. Um, Christy, no, quickly before you go. So when she came in the house, I was at Sirius XM that, uh, back in those days when uh, when I was someone before they canceled me. And as uh, I was the, the senior elder statesman of all the hosts there. And I was there when Boehner got the gavel. She came in in that Tea Party class. I was there. And when I say there, I actually went to Mordor. I didn't want to go, but I did. <laughs> Um, and then I met Christy and I interviewed her several times and it, DC, it wasn't, I, I want to say a month, two months, her and Joni Ernst both were in that class and within 60 days, K street had got them. Mm -hmm. I didn't know who Christy was. I interviewed her when she was a candidate. By the time she had been sworn in, I'm going, who in the hell is this chick? Where, where, what did you do with Christy? No, Joni Ernst, the exact same thing. So when I read your piece for the uh, uh, for the American Thinker, I went, not only that, <laughs> not only did she do that, but when she actually was first elected in a Tea Party class, she was one of us. She was a Tea Party uh, Tea Party member, an early Tea Party member, an activist, and that all just went out. That as governor of South Dakota, uh, maybe it's because she's in South Dakota and she can get away with it, or that's it what, is because <laughs> that's what they expect of her. But <laughs> even if it is, uh, she is delivering what they expect. So, but uh, I concur with you because I know her from before. I even said this, right, Maggie? When all this started, I went, who is, wait a minute. That's not the same Christy Gnome that I went eight years ago and went, nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Now, conservative uh, Republicans, I should say, Republicans have a very bizarre tendency to flock to really pretty women and think that they are, God's gift of conservatism, because they can put two words together, say liberty, talk about their cowboy father, and, you know, look good on stage. It's really embarrassing. You need to be able to look past and look deeper and look at people's records. And she has a lot of good. I'm not going to say that she doesn't. She stands for pro-life, uh, you know, but in the border control. But she is very. She has a 58% liberty score. She's a failure as a legislator when it comes to actually standing for conservative principles. Mm. This is something we need to look at. We need to look past the, the celebrity, past the cult of personalities, whether it's in politics or whether it's in media. Look at what people are saying. Look for substance. Look for depth. Look for wisdom and insight, because that's what we need in these times. Look for brave people who are actually willing to stand and sacrifice for the sake of their Christian worldview and principles, you know, rather than going with the crowd in order to make money and in order to fit in to the in-group. That is just something we need to be aware of. Uh, we need more of you. <laughs> you need to go yeah. out there. They don't like me. <laughs> Get rid of me. You, you, need to, you need to be out there saying what you just said and everyone needs to hear. Well, I'll tell you what, they can't get my podcast. They can't do with with what they could do on YouTube or something, because I don't put it on YouTube. We have our own servers. So you can share it to your heart's content, and it'll be there wherever you want to go access it, and anyone you want to send it to. And I am going to make it public and free for the world to hear. Uh, D.C. McAllister, Denise McAllister, in her own words. I'm even going to call it Denise McAllister Unplugged. Uh, 
Oh, that they'll love that. And that scares people when I go unplugged. Good. I really will speak the truth. And and I did that when I was at, you know, in conservative media, I continue to do it. What else can we do? You know, what what, what are we going to do? What, what difference will we make in this society if we are not willing to stand for the truth, willing to sacrifice for even lose our jobs like I did, wow. you know, willing to stand up and say, no, this is wrong. Stop. We are going to stand for truth. We are going to stand for objective truth. I will not bow to subjectivism and moral relativism, not even to the libertarians who say that they're on our side, who ultimately will not be. This is where we need to put our feet down, dig in and stand for what God stands for. Because if we give up on that, what else do we have? Like, you know, where else do we have to go if we're not going to stand for his truth? Hey, I don't have anything to add to that other than the audience approves, too. She is Denise McAllister. Denise, let's uh, stay in touch. Serious, uh, we, will, uh, uh, we will keep your pen uh, just a little bit busy. Um, read DC. You can follow her on Twitter. She's at DC McAllister. Um, your book is available at Barnes & Noble. They haven't gotten rid of that. Right. What, what men want to say to women but can't, it's an analysis of how feminism has really done a lot of damage to masculinity and how we need to rally back to a right understanding of masculinity as an honorable sexuality that God has made with dignity and with respect and understanding the relationship between the sexes as God designed it, not as man has denigrated it. Uh, you can get it at Barnes and Noble again. All right, Denise, I'll let you get uh, uh, back to. Uh, um, I'll let you get back to being whatever it is that your husband supposedly does to you. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I really did not Fixing know. Fixing dinner, not interrupting him, <laughs> things like that. I, I really full things. Yeah, I did find things. I did know. not know that part of the story, but I do now. Oh uh, yeah, it's awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm up to speed. <laughs> All right. Uh, God bless you and your family, and uh, let's, let's stay in touch. Seriously. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye.